Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Smith. I've invited a friend to come and join me at the Retreat House table. Come and join us. Welcome to the Retreat House table. I was not going to do a Thanksgiving episode, but one person that I have forgotten to mention since I started the podcast is the composer of my bumper music, who is my nephew, Isaac Turley. And I just want to acknowledge that it's his music, and I'm so excited and so thankful that he is allowing me to use it because it's absolutely perfect. And whenever I listen to the ending, it just kind of makes me throw my arms up in the air because I just love it. It's so perfect. And so I decided to invite Isaac to come on the podcast so we could find out a little bit more about him and his music and maybe talk a little Thanksgiving because we're right here at Thanksgiving. So welcome to the podcast, Isaac. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. So the name of the song is Daydreamer. Daydreams. Daydreams. Um, And can you tell us a little bit more about that song? and where you wrote it and kind of what the inspiration was? So when I was first working on it, I was on a trip to Texas with my mom and grandparents and my aunt. Um, And we were listening to a lot of polka music because it was at uh, (laughs) Worst Fest in Texas. So (laughs) That's W-U-R-S-T. Yeah. (laughs) Like Proud Worst Fest, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we were listening to a lot of polka music and it kind of started out with something like that. Oh, it does have that kind of a beat. It's, um, I think I did it, I think the bass line mixed with the violas is, it's not, it's not, it's not like normal polka music, like bum, mm-hmm. bum, bum. Right. It's more like a waltz. It's dun, like dun, one, dun, two, dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun, but it has a similar interval. It's like interval, it's either like fourth or a fifth, which is normally what's used for polka music. Dun, 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 okay. dun, 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 oh, veggie tales. But, <laughs> so it started out as something like that, but I got kind of bored with it so i added that that extra note and turned it into that triplet which is the dun 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 and then for some reason i just really wanted to add a duplet in there so um that dun 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 Mm -hmm. that's in two and then the dun 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 is in three so it does that that switch in there okay which kind of gives it this playful kind of feel so i really like that and then I, I, I mean, I had been before that even messing around with the 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 triplet kind of play, the dun dun dun. So I'd been I had been messing around with that all the time, but I could never nail it. And well, so, and first of all, let's go back to how old were you when you were writing the song? You were like seventeen. Is that senior 16, year? Sixteen, seventeen. Is that senior year or junior? I think that was senior year. So I was eighteen, nineteen when I wrote okay. that one. And it was I I started it while I was on the trip, like towards the end of it. Okay. And then I finished it while I was on the plane ride home. Pretty much, what can you do on a plane? Right. So <laughs> exactly. I was thinking about daydreaming. Well, I can't write music because I can't even do it that off a plane. <laughs> well, I mean, not writing music, but <laughs> yeah, like no, you're daydreaming no. while you're on a plane. Oh, unless yeah. Unless you're sleeping or reading a book or something. Mm-hmm. But so that's that's kind of where I got the idea from. And, and like you said, it, it does match the idea of a daydream. Like it's, it usually starts out happy and then I, I put that dark tone in there. Mm-hmm. And it's actually in a key that string players don't usually get into a lot. String players like to play sharp. They play in all the sharps and I like put in flats. That's, <laughs> that's so I, I kind of went against what they normally like to do. And also another weird thing about the song is I have a third violin part instead of just first and second violin viola cello bass i have first second third violin viola cello and bass so that was kind of interesting but 
so I was just working on it on the plane and you know it starts out all happy it starts with one motive then it goes to another but it keeps pretty much the same bass line actually the bass line and viola part are quite boring it's pretty much the same thing just throughout the whole thing Mm -hmm. and then it's the melody that changes okay and I added a bunch of little variations in there and then when it, it gets to the dark part and then it resolves after that. So it kind of does match like you've, you've, you've told me multiple times <laughs> about how it, it starts out all happy and then it gets dark and then it gets happy again. Kind of like what can sometimes happen with daydreams. Right. So that happens a lot to me. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, I'm alone in my head unsupervised. Wait a minute. Shake it off. Yeah. <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's, and I, I hadn't come up with a name with it while I was writing it. It wasn't until after I finished it and I listened to it a few times. I was like, yeah, that's pretty fitting for it actually. Because mm-hmm. that's what I was doing when I made it. And because it took me, it took me so long because I kept stopping to daydream. Like mm-hmm. I would just stop and I would, I, I listen to the songs a million times while I'm writing them. I'll add a little, a little bit of it and then I'll go back to the beginning and I'll listen through and see how it flows into it all. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm doing that, sometimes I'll accidentally slip out of focus and I'll just, <laughs> Zone I'll, out. I'll start daydreaming. <laughs> so that's, that's another reason is because I was actually daydreaming a lot while I was writing it. So, and I love the song which I've told you that a lot of times. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that you're letting me use it for the podcast. But it wasn't the first song you had written. When did you start writing music or kind of messing around with composing your own music? When I first started writing my own music, like actually my own, I think it was ninth grade is when okay. I started actually doing my own stuff. And before that, you were doing remixes of... Yeah, it was it was taking pre-recorded loops that I hadn't made so it was like oh, okay. I there were two programs that I I used. It was Sony Acid Music Station, I think is what one of them was called, and then the other one was GarageBand. But I stopped using GarageBand because we didn't have any Apple products that could run it in our oh. house, and so we got the Sony one, which could run on Windows. And so I was I was messing around with that one until I actually started, you know, doing putting my own notes into it, and then even then I moved off of that. And then I moved on to GarageBand because they added a whole bunch of new sounds and instruments and stuff. And I could actually, instead of just taking loops, I could, you know, write everything myself. And Mm -hmm. it started out with, it wasn't really structured like a normal song would be. It was almost like improv kind of songs is how it started. So it was, I would come up with a beat, a bass line. It, It was almost like an accompaniment. And then I would just put in random notes and see if it sounded cool. Okay. So that's how it started. So it wasn't really anything that organized. And it was it was like when you'd take a electric piano mm-hmm. and you'd just hit the demo button and then you'd play over it or something. That's kind of how it started until mm-hmm. I was like, I want to actually, you know, make structured songs with melodies and, um, you know, bridges and et cetera. And it's all instrumental, right? Have you written anything with words? I have lyrics? a full, I have an album that's almost completely lyrics. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and where, the, is it the SoundCloud? Is that where people can find your music? Yep. That's so. always, it's always been in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes for this show too, if you want to check out more of his music too. Yeah, there's, uh, how many of them are on there? There's also some that I have released that do have vocal mixes of them, but I just haven't released them because I'm not the greatest singer. Okay. And I, I actually want to find other people to sing them. So with the situa- situation I'm in right now, I've met quite a few fe- people who are, are are quite talented singers. So I'm thinking, I've been thinking about asking them. And what's so. the situation that you're in now? 
I'm in college for music composition. I'm studying music composition. Yeah, which is very, so exciting. Yeah. I mean, as your aunt, it's been really exciting to see you in a situation where you're really, at least from my vantage point, it looks like you're really thriving in being in an environment that really celebrates your talent and where you can dive in into music in a different way. Yeah, it's a it's a full throttle program. The for music majors and minors, that we have a, a class called Music Hour, which is where all the music majors and minors meet together and um we have these things called general student recitals and so music minors once a year have to do a, a what we call a GSR general student recital and so they have to pick a song and then perform it for everyone. Okay. Uh, music majors have to do that twice a year once a semester. Okay. Um and so that's what we do for music hour. Um, sometimes we'll have special guests come in and they'll perform as well. Uh, usually very, you know, big performers. Mm-hmm. There are also people who do their, you know, senior and junior recitals, things like that. So, so music hour is mainly for students and special guests. Usually it's around seven o'clock in the, the chapel Okay, and they'll, they'll perform as well. And one of Which the is requir- a beautiful spot. Oh yeah. It's perform music. We're talking, we're talking about the chapel at the university of Northwestern. Yeah, St. Paul. Cause oh, yeah. There's, there's multiple, <laughs> yeah. and it always gets confusing. Right. But, um, you know, when I went there, I used to let it. You know, if people were going to think that I went to Chicago's Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. that's fine. You think what you I want. I Northwestern music and drama. Actually, no, I didn't go for music, just drama. Yeah, so it was... Oh, the uh, the class requires that you go to two um, concerts, and they give you a whole, uh, like a list of what your options are. They usually want it to be professional, but you can also go to faculty ones. And I went to a couple faculty ones and you have to, you know, you get, you go there and then you got to just like write your opinion, how it affected your musicianship. And that's, that's pretty much what it is. So it's, so it's really focused on your development as a musician and just everything music. It's just, it's just all music all the time. <laughs> and I love it. Well, and talk about the, like your instrument and your primary instrument and your tool. So because of my major, my main instrument is composition. Okay. And music majors have to go to, they have to learn piano. And so I'm taking class piano right now. And nor, a lot of the time that would, a piano could be considered a second instrument. But for me, it's only considered a tool. My second instrument is French horn. And how long, when did you, I was just trying to tell somebody recently when you started playing French horn. Because it wasn't like some kids start playing in the band in uh, grade school. Yeah, fifth grade is when ours started, but I started in seventh grade. So okay. I started I started two years late, but I... Um, Just to give, I mean, and look at what you've done with it, too. I mean, just yeah. like to give parents out there peace of mind. If your child doesn't start in fifth grade, they could still yeah. have a passionate love of music and do well mm-hmm. in that. Well, I'd always liked music, but I, I never really wanted to dive into it the way I did. I, I just like listening to it and I like the just the way it made me feel and everything. But once I like started the experience of it. Yeah, but once I started playing, I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is something I'm I'm really really enjoying. And I I started late, so I had to catch up with a um a private instructor. And to this day I haven't had a actual French horn instructor. They've all been a d- different uh instrument in the brass family, so mm-hmm. I've I've had trombone and trumpet. But I, w- I was told that next semester I will be having a new private teacher and he will be a French horn player. So that'll That's be nice. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I started a bit late. Um, seventh grade, we had just 
the the band was so big that they had to split it in half and i was in i was in one of the halves and there wasn't anything special about them it was just well when you get to concerts you just combine them so it was one massive band and then the next year well i mean if you were in seventh grade there you did have the opportunity to join the the eagle band which is like the advanced band but usually Mm -hmm. only eighth and ninth graders got to get into that but there were special occasions where just a phenomenal seventh grader would just like come in out of nowhere and just get to the top point so um so eighth grade we i got into the eagle band i stayed through eighth grade into ninth grade in the eagle band 10th grade rolled around and i went to just the standard band in the high school and I I didn't enjoy it much. The kids in it weren't serious enough. They were just in there to get their art elective, okay. I'm pretty sure. So I the next year I was like, I want to get out of here. So I auditioned to get into the middle band. Um, I got into there. Uh, the kids were much more serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they still goofed off, but they were they were still serious enough. Because you were still yeah. high schoolers. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were still serious enough where we, you know, we would go... Uh, and perform around town and and whatnot so that was that was good and then uh senior year i joined the top band the wind symphony which was technically a college course so we were we were playing college music like high level music Mm -hmm. and we had the biggest french horn section i'd ever played in which is six and that's still not even the max you're supposed you're supposed (laughs) to have which is eight um well it was for that wind symphony that you ended up that ended up playing daydreamers Right? Uh no, they we did not play um Daydreams. That was the the orchestra one day um cuz my band director had been helping me with my music. He had, like took me under his wing and he had been giving me um pointers and whatnot. I'd come after class, play him some of my stuff or some stuff I was working on. He'd he he just helped me out in general once I'd finished a song and I'd actually put it on the on the sheet music cuz I cuz I would work on it on my phone first in GarageBand. I'd I'd like lay out how I want everything, and then mm-hmm. once I get it sounding right, then I'd put it actual onto an actual um, musical score, and then okay. I'd show it to him, and he'd help me with the, the actual music theory part. Because before that, I had no experience in, in music theory besides French horn. So then it was the band that had played. They Oops. played. They played. Uh, the orchestra played Daydreams. Okay. Um, and it was after my band director went to the orchestra director, and he was like, "Hey, he's been working on this song." Would you mind just, you know, letting him hear it in real life for mm-hmm. once? And so I printed all the parts, brought it up to him, and just one day and during the orchestra class, he's like, yeah, okay, we're going to play Isaac's song now. So they all got their bows out, they played it, and then they gave a bit of critiques. And there were there were a lot of critiques that were made, so <laughs> it, it was really helpful because, you know... Like it was constructive criticism? Yes, it was, and it was very, very helpful, and they were very nice about it, which was, which was great. Because, as I said, I didn't have any actual prior music theory teaching or anything. So, Well, it seems like, I mean, I remember you telling or hearing that story, but it almost seems like an author. Like an author has a first draft, and then an editor gets a hold of it, and then you do edits, and it becomes a better, a better piece because of the editing that you've done. So it sounds like the process, at least for this song, was a little similar, where you had it, someone played it, they were kind of like your editors and you ended up getting a better product out of that. Right. Would it would be accurate. It was kind of like a, a spell check almost. So oh, it wasn't okay. really necessarily like if you think of it in literature terms, it wasn't like changing any of the words or anything. Okay. It was just changing the grammar, like fixing all oh. the grammatical errors. So it was 
the time signature um, I had in the song felt triplets, dun, 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 but mm-hmm. I had it in duple time, so it it just didn't really mesh well. Okay. Um, so what the song actually ended up being was a switch between three four time and six eight time. So the dun 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 dun, dun is in three four, and the dun 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 is in six eight. Okay. So that was the main thing that we had fixed. Besides that, I think it was making the change between using the bow and plucking the okay. strings. Was It was so like making sure that, you know, it was in the, like, those markings were in the correct spots. So that's mainly what that was for it. And so, so that was really helpful because, you know, I didn't have much experience with strings either. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really kind of experimental at that point. But there were there were two songs that the band played, and the band played War Song and Raging Core. Those were the two band songs that we played. And he, the band director, he really liked those ones. So that so that was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> he liked he 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 liked the the really loud parts of the War Song. He had been telling me to work a lot with dissonance and discord. Mm-hmm. So like if you were to play two notes next to each other on the piano or play a white note that is right next to a, a black note, and you play those together, and it just sounds nasty. Mm-hmm. He really wanted me to experiment with that, and War Song and Raging Core are just full of it. So he, he really liked that, and War Song starts out with the low brass just blaring as loud as they can, mm-hmm. and with, with drums in the background, so like war drums, like really loud, like they're supposed to be banging on it as hard as they can. He He just went to town he loved it <laughs> and the percussionist loved it as well as long with the low brass the low brass whenever they can just blow as loud as they want mm-hmm. it's that's that's heaven for them so <laughs> to not have to hold back yeah especially the trombones the trombones love that mm-hmm. so we all had a lot of fun with that one and then raging core was that one was cool because it's 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 really loud but it's melodic at the same time it's got these really harsh quick notes but mm-hmm. then there's this melody behind it and then it gets into this darker melody, and then it's just these low-held notes, and time just goes away. Mm-hmm. And then it's a clarinet solo, and then an oboe solo, and then it jumps back into the melody and it goes to a build-up, and then it's the really loud, quick notes with the with the melody again. So it was just really aggressive songs, and he liked that. <laughs> he also he also really liked the just getting rid of time aspect mm. because. You know, t- in music, there's there's a, a certain time with it, and you can usually feel it out. But when you lose that aspect, you're like, it's, it adds this mystery to it. Like, oh, this is kind of cool. I don't know what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a lot of fun to experiment around with it. Very cool. So what does, I mean, that was when you were in high school, and mm-hmm. now you're studying it in college. So what does, what does the future look like, the near future? And then what are kind of your hopes and dreams for the outline future yeah well lately i have been working on an album this one has been taking me longer than most just because i've been so focused on school and studies and everything which is important yes it is (laughs) and that is why i'm focusing on it so hard i i mean in high school the only class i really cared about was band because that was doing what i actually enjoyed i did Mm -hmm. I, i mean i graduated but i am focusing so much more now than I ever have on like anything in my life <laughs> so it's it's been a lot Which of fun is very fun to watch yeah it's just the teachers the professors are 
amazing. Everyone I've had so far is just amazing. And I'm finally getting to learn music theory. And when I learned the scales, which are like the building blocks of any musician Mm -hmm. and learning the circle of fifths, I had only learned scales from a French horn perspective. But so, so I'm getting to learn all this new stuff and that's, that's amazing. But the album I've, I've been working on is, you know, taking me a little bit longer and it's, it's, it's a bit different than the other albums I've been working on, I've done. So the other ones usually have, I don't know, some kind of story to them. I love storytelling Mm -hmm. and that's, I, I, you know this, originally I wanted to be a film director, but I'm not very good with people and, (laughs) and so I, I would say you're shy. Yeah, and I'm introverted. I'm, I'm also not good at putting my foot down a lot of the time. Oh. So, and you need yeah, to, and you a, need as to a do that. Director needs to direct. Yeah, and so I, I had a hard time getting people together, like actors and whatnot. But I found out that I really enjoyed, you know, writing the scripts for them and and writing out the stories. And then I found you can tell stories through music, mm-hmm. like listening to movie scores. Like right. you you can hear what's happening, mm-hmm. which I thought was amazing. And so my album, Hydraulic Iridescence, tampers with that a lot. My favorite song in there is called Bendito del Oceano, and that's a pirate song. And so it sounds like it's straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> so it's, yeah, you you pretty much hear it's the pirates. They're sailing on the seas. They hit a couple big waves. and like, whoa, that was cool. Everything calms down. And then there's a massive fight. And then everything gets quiet. And then they start sailing away again. So that that's pretty much the story for it. There's another song called Rebounding Strength. And it's really happy, bouncy at first. And then all of a sudden it gets twisted. Some, like something weird happens. Something's wrong. Everything malfunctions. And it gets dark. And then it kind of, it turns into this beautiful, wistful kind of area. And then it goes back to the bouncy part again. So it kind of fits the name Rebounding Strength. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I kind of stick to this like ABA kind of series for everything. Happy, sad, happy. Mm-hmm. That's what so I do with Danger. The, but you said your new album is a little bit different? Yeah, it focuses less on storytelling and more on senses and imagery and feelings. Hmm. So, and it does it in a weird way because it's all almost EDM, if you know what that electronic dance music. Oh, okay. So it's the first song. Let me just think of one. There's one I have called Broken Mixer. It starts out with clapping and this weird wah noise. Mm-hmm. And then then there's just like this crazy part where it's just a whole bunch of noises that it almost doesn't seem like they fit together, but they do. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into this spacey kind of sound. And then it does this, you know, the standard EDM mm-hmm. dubstep drop or whatever. And then it kind of goes back to the beginning again, but it's in a more structured way. So... It adds like drums into it to keep it, you know, in time. Or it, it does have that before, but it's just clapping, so it's not really as together as like a um, a bass drum would make it feel. Mm-hmm. And so that song is alien communication, the feeling of alien communication. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really make sense. You don't know what they're talking about when they're trying to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of what I was going for in that one. So. So that's the yeah. album that you're currently working on, and mm-hmm. then you're studying music composition. Yeah. So then when you're done with your studies, what is, you know, is it, is it doing film composition? Is it composing songs for, you know, even games? Or what is it that you want yeah, to do? Uh, or producing mo- music? 
yeah, I mean, m- producing music would be fun too. What I really want to do is I want to write scores for movies, games, TV shows, and you know, my the theater department at my school recently had did the play Singing in the Rain, mm-hmm. and I went to see that. And you know, every time I go to a play, I keep it keeps reminding me like I would really like to write a musical someday because I like to write stories, and right. then I could also write music for it, and that would be awesome. The problem is. I've never been in theater besides being in the pit. Okay. And the pit doesn't really act or like they don't interact with anyone else except for the pit a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, unless it's the director. He like, he'll go and talk to them or Mm -hmm. she'll go and talk to them. And you know, that's about it. So I don't really know, you know, how the scripts work. I don't know any of the the lingo or how the the stage works at all. I know stage left and stage right. And Mm -hmm. then that's, that's about it. So, um, but I'd, I'd really like to learn how to do something like that because, I don't know, storytelling, again. Right. Yep. I, just, I just love storytelling. Mm-hmm. And you're good at it. I'm biased. <laughs> I'll, I'll own that. But, <laughs> but you're good at it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. It's exciting to hear kind of what you're dreaming about. And, I mean, there are things that I learned about your music that I didn't know. And apparently I just need to ask more questions. Yeah. So this, is, this has been very good. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. What are some, like, what's what's a favorite Thanksgiving memory that you have? Going to, I mean, just going to the Wisconsin Dells when we would all get together mm-hmm. and when we'd all go to the arcade, we would we would play the Simpsons game that was in there. Okay. And we would waste so much money on that. <laughs> but it was the most fun. We we had a ton of fun with that. We beat it a couple times, too. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just, it was the best. We had so much fun with that. I remember, like... One of us would die and we'd send someone to go find more coins or go ask the adults for coins. <laughs> and er- like all the adults would say no. And then we'd go to like Aunt Ron or Aunt Beth yeah. and they'd be like, okay, fine. <laughs> so, yeah, but you that, guys knew who to go to. Yeah, <laughs> we, we had to figure it out. But that was a ton of fun. And then the swimming, those were my fun. But yeah, so so mainly the getting to play the, the games and ultimately it was it was being with family at that point having fun mm-hmm. with the family that's yeah. always that's always what i enjoyed the most is the same with with um you know cousins weekend yeah. when we all the family reunions just being able to see see everyone and always that's always a ton of fun and i found that that's not the case for a lot of families actually right. they mm-hmm. don't you know they don't get along with their family or their family is too divided and so i'm thanksgiving i'm super thankful that right. our family <laughs> is n- not fit that norm well and you you've grown up knowing your second cousins which some people don't even grow up knowing their first cousins much less their second cousins so just a little bit of backstory we we get together with my mom's side of the family she's the youngest of four girls and as families got bigger it was too big to host at somebody's house and so we would um one of my cousins and his wife had the idea since we're all minnesota wisconsin illinois sort of based at least the like the biggest mass of yeah, the relatives. The, the um, they just, they said, let's meet at Wisconsin Dells. And so we would all meet at a hotel and Wisconsin Dells and order the main food from a grocery store. And then we would bring all the weird sides. Like, although I was going to say carrots in orange jello, but I don't think anybody ever brought that. I think that's when that finally died. Yeah, I don't, I don't recognize that. And I'm glad I don't, oh, that doesn't yes. sound that Okay, good. good. Then we did not pass it on. <laughs> We did not inflict your generation with that, what was inflicted on us. Well, then I'm thankful for that. (laughs) Another thing to be thankful for. Um, Yeah, and out of that, just our cousins getting together, we started doing a cousins reunion. We call it Cousins Weekend. And, call it started in 1996. And, yeah, so we've been doing it every summer since then. So it's been fun, too. I mean, my generation did it. 
I'm the cousin generation. We did it because we wanted to see each other. And this byproduct has been all of you guys, all of the kids growing up together and getting to know each other. So, yeah, that's been a beautiful thing. It also helps that, you know, just our close family anyway, like grandma, grandpa, and then the four sisters and then their kids. My sisters, my my generation. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, It also helps that, you know, you guys have been so close anyway Mm -hmm. that... I mean, us as the the kids of that generation have been close as well. Like me growing up with Trevor, you know, he and I were pretty much brothers. We, you know, we fought all the time and right. whatnot, but <laughs> we were cousins, but it was almost as if we were brothers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Charlie and Ben are brothers, but, you know, I I don't really think of them as cousins. I right. kind of I kind of think of them almost as, you know, a couple of little brothers. Yeah. I think they probably look up to you too like a like a big brother. Yeah, they always they a lot of times ask when the next time is that they're going to see you. And now that you're at school, you're even closer to us, which is fantastic. Yeah. So um, there are questions, two questions I usually ask all of my guests. Since it's called Retreat House Podcast, how do you retreat? Do you retreat to a place? Do you retreat to a, pla- a practice? Is that something that you do on a regular basis? Hmm. You know, normally I would go to my room, you know, if I were you know, back home. But I mean, even now I, I'll go to my dorm room because my roommate is kind of MIA a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess there listening to music is mainly what I'll do when I want to get away. There's, you know, a bunch of music that I'll listen to that just, that just helps me, you know, escape everything, I guess, or just tone out for a little bit and just enjoy just sitting back and relaxing. So, just a quiet place with music that's kind of alone. And that's weird to say for a dorm because you're usually surrounded by people like above and below and next mm-hmm. to you. But it doesn't really, I mean, a lot of the people in, in my hallway are pretty quiet most of the time. So I can just go to my room. I've got a giant beanbag in there. I'll sit in my beanbag, put in some earbuds and just listen, listen to music. music or, you know, I'll watch some YouTube videos or whatever and just kind of unwind. So that that's normally what I do. Nice. And then my other question is, we like to celebrate weird in our family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about you, what would that be? I can make a lot of weird noises with my mouth. Okay. You've demonstrated I, that a little bit during the podcast, describing music that you like your wah-wah thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I mean, like not using my vocal cords. I can make a lot of weird noises. Okay, we're um, going to need an example. Okay, well, I went, while I was growing up, I, I liked to beatbox. So I grew up making a lot of percussive noises with, with my mouth. like, And then I learned how to breathe while doing that. So normally when you when people first start beatboxing, they're going like... And you can hear that they're exhaling while they're doing it. But if you practice enough you can learn to do it and so you can actually breathe while you're doing the beatboxing so mm-hmm. let me see if i can so you can you can do things like that and there's mm-hmm. also some other beatboxing where i'm lightly kind of popping with my tongue instead of doing like a, a tongue click like instead of mm-hmm. i'm doing okay and so 
And from doing that, I learned how to click my tongue extremely loud. I'm not going to do it because, I mean... <laughs> you can just hold the microphone away and uh, it. it. It'll be still pretty loud. Like, it echoes down neighborhoods wow. loud. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, then there's also the whole dubstep subwoofer beatbox that I can do, which... Most beatboxers do a thing called throat bass, and I've never been able to learn that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I can make my voice go extremely low, but I can't do throat bass. Mm -hmm. But I learned how to do this thing while rolling my R's to make it sound like dubstep almost. It's okay. And so that's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I can do that. <laughs> um, doing that underwater sounds really cool, too. Cousins Weekend, right. oh, like when we go on the river, I'll be yeah. like, hey, check this out. Go underwater, start doing that. Like, what are you doing with your mouth? So, And because you're fun. not breathing, you can do it underwater. I mean, you're not uh, having to breathe while you do it, like what you were talking about before. Right. Well, I, with the um, rolling of the R's, that one takes a little bit more breath. That, I think that one is breath outward, but mm -hmm. the just the normal beatboxing. I've also learned how to do it without using my lips, so I can just use my tongue and my teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so just for some reason, I just play around with my mouth a lot, <laughs> which sounds weird saying yeah, it, but, that, no. but that's, that's, I celebrate weird, I guess. Right. That's right. Hashtag celebrate weird. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and yeah. thank you for letting me use your music and for just sharing more of your story. It's yeah. been really good to hear. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Thank you for listening to the Retreat House podcast. For any links mentioned in the show, head to the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and join us next week for another conversation at the Retreat House table.